PS Play Pass. And the Game Awards talk. Hello, and welcome to Triangle Squared. I'm your host, Brett, back and alongside me, as usual, is Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys lucky episode 240. Chris could not make it this episode, so it is just me and Brett, the classical way of doing things, I guess. And uh, we have a lot to talk about today. We have Game Awards, we have stuff to do with Games Pass, including um, Sony, we have, I think that's what you mean, and um, you know, the community's take, and of course the news like normal. So if you want to figure out where we come from and where we, what we are about, Stay tuned. Later on the episode, we'll get into that. But you want to figure out where we come from, where we go, where we come from, Cottonwood Joe? <laughs> but we'll start the show off like, right like we normally do. And that is, Brett, what have you been playing this week? Ooh, um, Halo. Yep. And then technically, I started and have put less than an hour totally into uh, Pokemon. What is it? Shining, Shining Diamond, Diamond? Brilliant Pearl? Which one are you? Okay, so which one are you playing, Andrew? You're playing Diamond. So I'm playing BDSP. I'm playing Pearl apparently, so that's okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't. That's about it. I really, I've been watching my wife play Bucksnacks some and helping her. It took her 62 hours to beat Bucksnacks, but she did all side quests. Uh, so I'm very proud of her because I've been telling her for pretty much since Bucksnacks come out that I thought she would like it. Uh, but that Halo, being busy at work, watching some Dexter. That's been about it. I'm very seriously considering the Ruined King uh, game that came out from Airship Syndicate. We'll probably start playing that as my next actual game. I don't know what happened to my aspirations to actually play the game of the year things like I thought I was going to. I said that thing and like, you know what? I haven't been really in the mood to play much lately besides just like, it's weird. Like I'm playing a bunch of Halo, but really the thing about Halo is I'm getting on Halo to socialize. Pretty much, yeah. You know, I'm like, it's fun and I enjoy the game a lot. <clears throat> but really it's like I'm gonna hop on and me and Chris are gonna screw around. And when I was playing Sea of Thieves, it was like, well, I have a sub goal, but the main goal is just getting on and screwing around with people. You the main reason you know that is because I never played Sea of Thieves by myself. So that's about it. I don't know. I've not been pulled to play very much lately. Um still really am not. But the more I look at the Ruined King, I think I will enjoy that. So Probably my next dive, I'm trying to see. I might try and work in something, even if it's just like Psychonauts 2, to really give it a try. I like platforming games, and I like the first Psychonauts. So that might be something I play alongside the Ruined King. Those seem reasonable to play with each other. And I know Rude Days has said that he thinks there's some things in Psychonauts that I would enjoy. So we'll see what the rest of the year holds for me, but that's it so far. Saw what's been up to. I have also been playing Pokemon Shining (laughs) Diamond or Brilliant Diamond. Um, That I've played the most this week. I have just now gotten done with Snowpoint City for those that are playing along with me. Um, and I'm getting ready to go do the next part of that game. But I've also been playing Animal Crossing. That's an everyday thing. So shout out to that. And of course, I played Halo this weekend, but I did not play Halo at all this week. We um, also played some Among Us. Yeah, that's one of those that's like, I kind of only play that to socialize. I don't really like playing that game. It's it's interesting because it's like the first three games are fun, but then the rest are just kind of like boring. It depends on who you're playing with. Uh, yeah, it, that game is way more infinitely fun if you have a group like we were playing with yesterday. To where once the actual novelty of the game wears a little bit off, you have really wild personalities interacting with each other. Yeah, uh, like uh, Nathaniel screams to vote him off, even and we and, all just ignored him, and then it's just a night full of getting yelled at. Like I just I told you to vote me. The That's funniest great. part about the whole night is that earlier in the in the night, 
he was like, it's not me. And we all voted him off. <laughs> and then when he wants to get voted <laughs> off, he's like, it's me. Vote me off, please. <laughs> just, I want to go to bed. Vote me off. And he's like, no. Nope. It's not you. It's great. Um, so that was cool. I will say the, the addition of the cubes to be able to get stuff is nice. Um, go get stuff. So they have these things called what cosmic cubes or something like that. Um, I think it's supposed to be like cosmetic cubes. And if you go into your uh, um, thing, okay, so you know how last night we were wearing like the little green bush and I was wearing yeah. the, the little horns and stuff that all came from, cause right now there's a free cosmic cube for Mira, the map that we were on. I think anyway, you, um, you can do it from any map. You just go and make that cube active. And then every match that you play, you gain a currency for that cosmic cube that you can go and spend and you choose which way you adjust. It's like a big grid and you just do it wherever you want. Huh. And unlock different things. There's pets. There's different head things. There's t- name cards that looks like something out of Bloodborne. That was terrifying. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, that was pretty cool. And then I ended up buying because I, you know, we don't play it all the time, but I ended up buying the um, one for Arcane they have going right now, where you can get Jinx and <laughs> Vi and Hermendinger's outfits as part of the Cosmic Cube. So, huh? See, see, I didn't. I didn't pay no attention to that. I just kind of edited my character like I normally did, um, mm-hmm. mainly because it just stuck me in there as like a yellow character. That was weird. But honestly, that's that's kind of all I played this week. Uh, other than I did finish up Demon Souls playthrough. Oh, yeah. That was Monday. That was Sunday or Monday? Monday, I think. Have you decided if you're going to play Sekiro like you were talking about? I actually did start playing Sekiro. I, did, I started playing that yesterday, but I didn't really play enough of it to talk about it. I got through the first area where you go fight uh, Genichiro um, for the for, like the tutorial boss. I did that. And then right as I did that, I joined, what I do is like I always join the Discord like audio, uh, the chat, and then I just leave it on there. My computer's next to me, so it's loud. So if somebody joins in, it, it goes, boom, and like I know somebody's there. And I did that. And the second I beat Genichiro, or I lost to Genichiro, um, Seth joined Discord. So I put my headphones on, started playing Halo. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's been it for me this week. Kind of a short week for me. Yeah, I feel. I, I don't know. I might keep playing Pokemon because it has the extra benefit of I don't really care about the story in that game at all. And I don't even, yeah. I'm going be honest. Like right now, the thing I'm trying to figure out with the game is if I care about the game at all. But primarily with Pokemon, it's it's supposed to be the gameplay that's fun. I mean, you know, the story is cool in, in a handful of the games, but. Uh, so I might be able to do that where I keep like watching Dexter with my wife and can spend time with her without being so disconnected back here on the computer. Yeah. So we'll see. Maybe I'll play some more Pokemon alongside everything else. But uh, I want to pick up Pokemon Let's Go um, just so I could play a Let's Go Nuzlocke because apparently those are really hard. They're, they're one of the hardest. I can't imagine Kyrie would care if you just want to borrow her Let's Go Eevee. You're more than welcome to. I might, you don't yeah. want to have to spend the money unless you just want to keep it. Do you have an Eevee or Pikachu? Yeah, I want. I'll borrow yours. There I'll you do go. Pikachu. Feels bad, man. Yeah, no, uh, bring it to work tomorrow, Andrew. No, I'll do it then. Because for those that don't know, a Nuzlocke for Pokemon. I don't care. I don't think you care, but you have to catch the first Pokemon you see on every route. You can only catch that per- Pokemon, but you can't battle in this game. You can't. You get all your experience from catching. So Ooh. if you can't battle, or if you can't battle wild Pokemon and and grind, but if you can't, if you can only catch one Pokemon per route. It has a lot of different rules to it. So, like now, um, you get like let's say you have three routes and then a gym. If you beat the gym, you can go back to those three routes and catch more Pokemon. Can one, you catch more, more Pokemon? But you can, or can you just catch the ones for that every you, gym you beat? You get one more Pokemon for each uh, route. Because there's one gym that oh, you have to take get into the gym. You have to have fifty different Pokemon species, and the only way to do that in this Nuzlocke is to do that rule. 
Yeah. Weird. But also, it's red and blue, and it's been a really long time since I played the red and blue. Or it's actually really yellow, but anyways. True. Yeah. Uh, enough Pokemon talk. I guess at this point, we'll do the time-honored tradition of us moving into the news, which in this episode's going to be weird. It's been a while since it's been just me and Brett. Um, but new uh, the main topic of this show is going to be, of course... A dual topic. It's going to be us discussing what we're anticipating on seeing at the Game Awards because that is this week, and then it's going to be us talking about more so of like what we talked about last week with the way uh, Xbox and Games Pass is kind of working to maybe have an impact on the way games are made, but also the fact that now there is a rumor about Project Spartacus, which is PlayStation. Uh, it's their answer to Games Pass, which is not PS Now. So we'll get into that here in a little bit. We will. So yeah, we'll, we'll probably just do the thing where we go community. Excuse me, we go from the community's take into the final topic, and that way the two main topics are at the end. But. With that said, first thing in the news right now is Battlefield 2042 was launched as a multiplayer-only experience, as most people know. But as part of sweeping changes to the development teams working on the Battlefield series, a new studio is being put onto working on story content for the series, which sounds like could be added to 2042 as opposed to being a new standalone game. Uh, Just from the way they word it, they say a story experience, which sounds like a way to build up around 2042, definitely with... um, Vince uh, Zampella and EA kind of talking about making a Battlefield universe. So with that being said, uh, there is a new studio helming that, which is uh, done by the Halo co-creator and artist Marcus Leto, Leto, whatever it is. Um, So interesting to see. And we're going to see what ends up happening with that. I don't know how many people really, you know, it's like you've had this thing before. Do you remember Battlefield Hardline where it was like, it was almost like story first, multiplayer second. Yeah. It had that weird like cop drama. Real histo- no, Hardline was not. Oh, Hardline was. I'm thinking of Battlefield 1 story where it was actually hysterical, hysterical, historical. historically embedded in World War One. And it was like you were playing different vignettes from that. That's the one that had that, right? Like you were playing small stories yeah. throughout World War One. Battlefield 5, I think, just went a full on campaign of... I can't. I didn't play it, so I really don't know across the board. But uh, I know it wasn't, it, or at least it didn't appear to follow that vignette idea that uh, Battlefield One had. Yeah, and honestly, like I'm a Battlefield fan. I haven't been a Battlefield fan though in a really long time. I liked Battlefield One a lot, but then I did not care for the rest of them to come out. And I'm definitely not picking this game up until they fix some stuff. It's weird. I feel like I haven't really, really cared about a, a Battlefield campaign since the Bad Company games. Bad Company were really good. Games. I feel like the last time I had fun in a campaign, even though the campaign itself, like the story was man, and you know the the actual campaign was short, and, and but it had fun moments. Was Battlefield Three? Yeah, Battlefield um, Three had some great like multiplayer moments of you and your buddies playing, and then havoc and chaos ensuing and that's something that i kind of miss from those games yeah i feel like maybe it's just that we've been around and battlefields continues to be big but i feel like battlefield 3 was the first time where it was like oh guys this is this is competing with call of duty yeah you know and then it it, it was that and and battlefield 2 battlefield 2 was fun even though battlefield 2 was infinitely i feel like that was more of a pc thing than it was console because i had battlefield 2 and it battlefield 2 finding games not easy. <laughs> yeah sure um but halo co-creator being on it i mean that's interesting for the potential of what they might do with story but the thing is is like i don't see battlefield 
as far as I've seen, Battlefield's never decided to, to push in the way that Call of Duty did to get into the idea of a futuristic game. Like, Battlefield's always capped off at modern gameplay, realistically. Yeah, like, I don't think they've ever, and it's weird, too, they don't ever push the envelope on anything. It's always the same stuff, just polished, and just it's it's so well done that I don't think you really need to do anything, unless it's broken, like, kind of 2042 is. But it would be kind of interesting to see Battlefield push forward into a slightly more futuristic look, but I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like, it looks like Call of Duty's not necessarily doing that, so if you really want to stand out, is it better to do what they've been doing, or is it better to be like, hey, you know what, we have this co-creator for Halo, now let's try and make a slightly more you know, futuristic story, but still keep it as grounded as we can, yeah. so that it still feels Battlefield. But, eh, we'll see. That's probably a ways away, because uh, the, the point, he said the new studio is being in Seattle, and they're looking for people right now, so this is not something that's like it's not even a fully grown studio. Yeah. You know, sounds kind of like the initiative where they talk about it and they have people, but they're still a very small studio that it's not fully staffed yet. So to, to normal studio standards. Yeah, for sure. Skip this next thing. I'm gonna go blow my nose real quick. So <laughs> I have stuff to say about that one. I don't go have ahead. stuff sure. to say about almost anything else. All right. Uh, next thing up, cyberpunk themed third person isometric action RPG. The ascent originally a timed exclusive for Xbox is making its way to PS apparently as the game has been rated for PS five and PS four in Taiwan. As we always get those little quick Taiwan uh, teases. That means no release date just yet, but it should be coming soon. This game was pretty highly um, reviewed when it first came out. Uh, I've seen some people have little issues with it, but the game looks really cool. Like I said, third person isometric top down um, kind of look to it. And I th- if I'm not mistaken, it's co-opable and you can have a group of up to about four people if I'm remembering correctly. So check that out. Another cyberpunk themed title, Ghost Runner. For those unaware, it is a fast paced action platformer, real Twitch based where, you know, you run around a wall and then you have to do something right then or you fall and you have to restart or you get killed and you have to restart. It has an expansion coming January 27th called Project Hell. Uh, which looks interesting, and it's uh, technically it's Project Underscore H E L, but that looks cool. I was showing Saul that because he had heard of the game, but he hadn't really seen it in action. It looks really cool. Uh, I, I tried it out on PS Now. That's one of those big benefits, and we'll talk a little bit about that in um in the community's take where people really like that. But now that Saul's back, uh, the PS Plus leak for December that we talked about last week was accurate, so players can expect Godfall Challenger Edition, LEGO DC Super Villains, and Mortal Shell to be available starting December 7th. That's the day after this airs. Now, Godfall's PS Plus version is interesting because it's not the full game. Uh, instead, it's not even the story content. Instead, it's a new $15 separate version of the game that includes three modes of in-game content that sees the game grant you a spread of high-level weapons and skill points to set up your build for the co-opable modes. Players can choose to upgrade to the Deluxe Edition, which will grant them access to the base campaign and the Fire and Darkness DLC campaign. Um, and this has been a hot topic this week. I've seen a lot of people kind of looking at this and saying that this is a cop-out and all these things. And it's weird. Because we have this thing where, let me, Saul, would you say when you, if you were talking to someone about this, how do you describe the PS Plus games? Do you call them the free PS Plus games? I call them games with PS Plus. Okay. Games with PS Plus. It's just games with gold, but PS Plus. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, that's, that's a thing already. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's just how I call them. Yeah. Well, I've, I've seen a lot of people kind of talk about it and be like, they're free with PS Plus because PS Plus is required now. You know what I mean? Before, when the games were part of the service, it wasn't so much that they were free because it was like, well, you're paying specifically for this. But 
I think it's weird that people's expectations. We've seen a lot of stuff coming into PS5 where like a good example is a secondary thing this month. Mortal Shell, it looks like from everything that's going on, you cannot use the PS4 Mortal Shell version to get the free upgrade to PS5. And people go, why is that? Well, they're going on here. They're hoping that you like the game. You feel like, you know what? This game's pretty good. I'd rather play the PS5 version. It looks better, feels better. I'm going to go ahead and go buy the PS5 version. It's a way for them to make extra money on top of this. These are small studios, I understand. You don't have to do that. If you want to, you can just play the PS4 version. Um, so I think Godfall is pretty interesting because in a way, this is a new version of a game that is trying to say, like, why are people not sticking with us? A lot of the times it's that people don't want to work through the campaign. And so they're trying to do this thing of like, well, if we basically skip the campaign and give them all the high level gear, is there a chance they'll stick around? If we can kind of pump something into this, we can get a better player base on co-op. And I think that that's a good idea. What do I think it would be ideal considering Godfall's performance to give you the whole game on PS plus? Sure. I do. Um, I don't think that you're missing much because as I talked with Saul, it's not a bad game anywhere. Even the campaign's not bad. It's just, also not that compelling so it's weird that people are are upset about that and i've seen that i'm not saying that they're wrong for it but i think that there's something that go on i mean it's not you buying a 60 dollar game that's just this it's somebody giving you something so i understand the complaint i don't necessarily agree that it's that big of a deal Saul, what are your thoughts i understand the complaint as well and i don't know if i agree with it or not my only issue with this is that if they are doing it for stuff like Mortal Shell, you can't upgrade to the PS Plus version. I mean the PS5 version. Um, with Godfall, you don't get the story mode. What's to say that they don't keep doing this with other games and you don't get full-length games that you are promised? You're, you know, you're promised games with PlayStation Plus. like you. And now like they're cutting content out of some of these games. Now, granted, both of these games, one being Mortal Shell... That is more of a complete game where I feel like <clears throat> it's more, I should say it's more of a standard game where Godfall is a game to the service. And I've heard that people say like Godfall's content is just the for the story. It's not even a story mode. It is just the tutorial. But that's even more weird that they cut that out. Like people, they're, they're using that as like a reasoning factor, but I don't think that's reasoning anything. I think that that's at that point, it's like you're cutting out the tutorial with lore. Like at that point, you, this game's already failing or has already failed by industry standards. Give it away for free. Now, I Make think, it free to play anyways. I think the balance here, and that might be really the right answer, but I think the real balance here is that you give the full game because what are you really missing by people not getting the content? Now, you cannot include the, the DLC content. You can keep that paid for someone who plays the DLC and goes, I want to play the other DLC or the other campaign. That's fine. But... Maybe the real way to do this, because I understand, is to make it to where as soon as you boot this edition up, still call it Challenger Edition, whatever you want to do, boot the game up, and you either get a a choice to start the game from scratch, or at the menu, you can also switch over to the Challenger Edition and immediately play with a level 70. That way, you don't feel like if you start playing the campaign, you're like, gameplay is kind of fun, but I don't really care about the story. I don't really want to do this. Can I just go and play high-end content and do that? That the game still gives you a way to do it. It's kind of like Destiny, where if you come in and you just don't want to play any of it, and it's your first time playing, you can still buy a skip that just puts you to the newest content. Yeah, It's that basic idea, where you don't even have to have that skip. You just... I mean, you know, you don't have to buy a skip or anything like that. You just come in and you can choose to start at moment one or you can choose to just go straight to the newest 
in-game content. That way you have a higher chance of people sticking around. Because I think the problem with giving the full version of the game is that you still require to beat the whole game and get to the level for in-game content. This new version eschews that by allowing you to go right into in-game, which might be the most fun you'll have with the game. That's true. And th- I think at that point, though, that you're only getting time. Like, you're only buying time at that point. Literally. Like, you're buying the time that would take you to, to skip to get those levels. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just it kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth that these aren't the full versions of the games. Because I'm worried that this could become the norm. And, you know, who's to say that this doesn't happen with other games? Or, like, if, if a game launches with content that's optional content, but it still launches with it, um, that you won't get that content with it, you know, with some PS Plus games. It's it's weird. I, I haven't made up my mind up yet exactly how I feel about it, but my first knee-jerk reaction is that this can set up a really negative precedent for other things. Well, an interesting um, context for that is, sorry if you can hear my dogs barking, but um, an interesting context for that is I understand the idea of like, you know, when you see it happening, it's like how, how much more can this happen? But, you know, PS Plus for since going back to the PS3 days has been doing this thing of where they occasionally look at a game and split it off and give you one version. A good example of that is the, um, I don't know if you even played the game. It was called, uh, man, of course, I am skipping out on it. Starhawk um, with Emmett. They put that game out and it was story mode only. So if you on PS Plus you got story mode, but if you wanted the multiplayer, you had to buy the game. That's weird to me. I don't like that. And see, and it's the reason I kind of bring that up is that this goes back pretty far, and they've done it with a handful of games. That one in particularly was a PlayStation exclusive, much like Godfall still currently is ish. The only difference is that one was actually published by Sony, where this one's not. Yeah, um, but it's still not something we've seen them do a lot. What I think it comes down to is that they're working and trying to figure out games that people might be wanting that look good and be like, hey, here's a newer game on the service. Here's a PS5 game. And I think they're having to contend with publishers being like, we're willing to do it, but not for the full version of the game. We still want someone to come in and potentially buy the full game so that we make money off the back end. Um, whereas it's interesting. It's almost like you know, I I, I think I showed you the, the hall where you have all the armor sets. Did I show you that whenever we were playing? I think so. It's been so long, and yeah. I care so little about that game. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I might have not stored that information in my but brain. But it's, it's very much like a visual representation of as if you were playing Warframe, and you just walked in, and all, every possible frame was in a circle, and you had to work towards unlocking them by different things, which is fine. Okay. But it makes you wonder, why not just go with the Warframe thing here, where you look and go, people don't really care about the campaign. I'm sure they have numbers that show how many people beat the campaign. And at this point, like you say, rework the game, and say, okay, we're going to be free to play, and you're going to be able to come in just like this and play this way, but now to make monetization, we're going to get you to where hopefully you're playing the game, and we'll do cosmetics as part of this. Now, they were trying to avoid that before, right? If you remember, the the campaign for the game was like no cos- no cosmetics, no DLCs, or no, uh, you know, no um, microtransactions. And maybe the real way to do this is just go, Warframe's doing a good job doing this. Let's just be a different, more melee-focused version of Warframe instead of shooter-focused. Be free to play, monetize, uh, and then see if we can actually find a way for this game to survive instead of just uh, eventually becoming a dead IP. I think that they, they need to change something real quick. Also, though, I think their big problem was launching on a PS5. You should launch on PS5 and PS4. What, like, you're a free-to-play game. I mean, not, you're not a free-to-play game. Your game's a service game. That requires a console that's really hard to get. That's true. And there's other games and service games that do better jobs at what it does. So you you kind of have a formula for disaster. 
Um, so Which they ported the PS4 pretty quickly, but yeah, I, it's weird because the thing about being PS5 only is you get more media attention because you're an exclusive. Yeah. Which is nice at the bump, but like you said, just because you get a better bump up front doesn't mean you get more people who are willing to stick around, whereas the 130-plus million people that have PlayStation 4s, you might be a, you might get a higher chance of keeping 10% of the people that play. And yeah. 10% of 100-and-something million is way more than 10% of PS5 people who manage to keep the game, you know? That's true. Um, yeah. It's weird though. I, I don't know. It's just Godfall's a weird experience, anyways. So this being this adding to the anomaly that this game is to me is just it's really weird. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but we'll see what ends up happening. I mean, it's just anytime that a, a, a developer's first game hits like this, you're like, man, I feel bad for them because I don't even think it's an I don't even think it's an excessively bad game. I just think it was overhyped. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, that that's really the biggest problem, and I, I don't know if that's partially on Sony or. Or what, you know, Sony may have just given them enough rope to hang themselves from. It's like, hey, we're going to call you a big PlayStation exclusive and you still control how you choose to market it. And maybe they marketed it too hard. Maybe so, yeah. And, and, I, and, and well, themselves in a weird way, you know. It happened to No Man's Sky. It, it can. So, I mean, it, it is what it is at some point. Uh, anyway, next thing up, Kingdoms of Amalur's Fate Sworn expansion has finally come back into the light with a December 14th release date after COVID caused delays for the DLC. The announcement came with a new trailer, but with the trailer setting up the story with a stylized animation, it does not include any gameplay. And that's weird because one of my big questions when they first announced that they were you know, basically remastering this game and then adding new content was what does the new content look like? Is it standalone? Is it part of the same world? Do you log into the game and then it's kind of like dishonored where you start the game, but then it's two different versions or like you, you go over and you play the game and they're completely separate. You don't access that content from the standard world. And that leads a lot of questions to what do you do with making new content for a game that's base is more than 10 years old or around 10 years old at this point. So not seeing gameplay is weird because at worst, the gameplay will look and feel exactly like the base game, which is not a problem. The game's fun. But why don't you want to show me that? At best, you've you've went ahead and started showing work on what you might do with a sequel. And hey, here's a better, here's the graphics kicked up. It's in the world, but you don't use your same character. So it's going to be technically playing in a new rendering engine. There's ways they could look at this and kind of give you an idea for what a sequel may look like. And the fact that the expansion is still coming it points that there might be a sequel, but odd way all the way around. I don't know. It just seems like you'd show that. So hopefully they'll show that before the game releases for anybody who's curious and would uh, want to know what it's like before they buy it. Certainly after the game was coming back around to PS plus on PS plus like a month ago. Yeah. This is the, this is what I or used this to month, look I at think. PS plus. Was it, it? Yeah, I think you're right. It is this month. Yeah. So go pick out the game. If you haven't, so you'll get DLC with it. Uh, I think, yeah, you still have until Tuesday, I guess <laughs> or until True. Monday yeah. uh, when this, when this drops. So try and grab it. But yeah, that's the thing. When you do this kind of thing, I always used to look at PS Plus and like predict the games based off of stuff that's coming. Like, oh, that game that's not super well known but has a following hit PS Plus. This is a great time for this game to hit PS Plus because in a month it gets an expansion. And they're all they're hoping is that some percentage, 10%, 20% of people who end up playing the game on PS Plus, which they got paid for, double dip and buy the DLC because they enjoyed the game. Bang, bang. That's the setup, you know? You didn't get the money from them directly in the door, but maybe you can get it later. 
Um, so next thing up and pretty much the last thing before we cut off for a second into the community's take is the sequel to the beloved VR game Moss, originally shown at the State of Play back in July, finally has a release window for those anxiously waiting. Expect the game sometime in spring 2022. Uh, which sounds like since we're not hearing anything about it for the next gen VR, I'm curious if that's going to happen and when next gen VR is still coming, we'll have to wait and see. So uh, that's that for now. Uh, and we're going to break off real quick into the community's take and the community's take for last week kind of came from Chris's discussion about his fear that game design was going to take a hit towards focusing on monetization uh, first and foremost, and kind of being, he, he looked at Halo Infinite, which we clarified is not a Game Pass game, but he views it as potentially indicative of what Microsoft may be thinking when looking at Game Pass games. Um, so, with that said, we kind of looked at Halo as a free to play example with monetization, and then see if these have a locked behind Game Pass kind of example of what that looks like with monetization. And we asked you guys. Are you worried? Do you fear uh, what Game Pass will do in terms of negative impact on game design by shifting focus toward monetization within the games or not? Do you like it? And now that Sony, because of what happened throughout this week with Project or Spartacus, whatever it's been called, that Jason Schreier leaked that PlayStation is working on some sort of internal tiered program uh, that will have uh, the highest tier potentially including PS1, PS2, PS3, and PS, or well, PS1, PS2, and PSP games. Um since PS3 is kind of already getting accounted for on PS Now. And apparently it's not going to be PS Now. So with all that in mind, uh, with Sony having their leak thing to be something at least more adjacent to Game Pass potentially, are you interested in the idea where you stick to your traditional buying? Um, so with that, we've got a couple of answers. The first answer we got was actually from Kyle Grimm. He says, after hearing PlayStation's plans of doing their own form of Game Pass, Again, I do want to stress it's a it's a technically a leak. It's a report from Jason Schreier, and it's it's still kind of vague. Yeah. So we don't. The one thing we can tell, at least from a couple people who's going to be part of it, is that, and this is important because it does help paint this conversation, is that there does not seem to be any intentions on PlayStation side of doing day and date releases for their exclusives. So to that end, it will never be right up there with Game Pass, and I would not have expected it to. So this still feels in line with what I'm thinking. So let's use that to kind of frame the rest of these conversations. But uh, he says, what I heard Game Pass is doing for Xbox customers who have it uh, is giving them extra things to do in Halo Infinite weekly or monthly. I don't remember. Kyle, just to clarify there, it's actually every month... Um, Game Pass Ultimate specifically members will get a little package of an exclusive skin of some sort, coding of some sort, as well as a pack of skips and uh, our swaps, challenge swaps, and XP boost. So for December, December 8th, you'll get a gun skin for your AR, the coding as they call it. You'll get four swaps and four XP boosts as being. So they're definitely trying to incentivize people to be under Game Pass Ultimate without necessarily having to lock the game behind Game Pass. So 
interesting to see. Uh, he says, that idea makes me think that it's worth it to own if you're a fan of Halo. Give your best games extra incentives for people who want uh, to want to have Game Pass. I like Game Pass. I just don't like the cost. For some, it's no big deal. I just prefer to own games physically anyway, but I also don't love the games on Game Pass and don't like the idea of them coming and going at any time. Which is an interesting thing because, you know, Game Pass saw... It's one of those things that people often talk about, like the cost is actually the reason they're even some like they're willing to go for it because it's cheaper every month than a standard game would be. Yeah. So it's interesting to see someone look at it and go, I don't like the cost. But I think part of that is that I think, Kyle, um, if I'm not mistaken, this isn't your main system. So looking at a monthly cost of something that you don't know how often you're going to play is kind of weird when you could just own the game you want to own. That's true. Yeah. You know, like if all you want to play on Xbox is Halo Infinite, even though it's a $60 game, wouldn't buying it at $60 well, be cheaper than a... The campaign $60. Fair. <laughs> I mean, but regardless, it's a $60 yeah. game when you're buying it. So if you just buy it for $60, but that's all you play for the entire year, that's far cheaper than $15 a month. Yeah. Or even $10 it's true. a month. You so. technically get like three months and then some <clears throat> for every one $60 game you buy on Games Pass or play on Games Pass yeah. to completion. And that's the thing about Game Pass. Is I've, I think it's really weighed on how much you like the games as well as how much you think you'd play them. Yeah. Because like, and what I like about it is that if you don't play them often or if you don't play Games Pass often, then if like, let's say there's two games on there, you're like, this looks like fun. You could totally just re-up your subscription for 15 bucks and you get to play those two games. And, and then, then drop it yeah. afterwards. Yeah, whereas it's it's one of those weird things. I got so much Game Pass at once for so cheap that it really wouldn't happen that way. But technically, if all I was playing was Halo and Sea of Thieves, it wouldn't take long, definitely since Halo multiplayer so far is free, and that's what we're talking about. Yeah, It, w- it wouldn't take, but what, four months for me to have paid the full sixty dollars, and I've subbed to Game Pass even beforehand for more than four months on off and on time. So I basically yeah. bought Sea of Thieves. You can't argue the value that these services have, and I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that with ne- neither um, PlayStation or Xbox. If PlayStation ends up being the same, the value is so personal to what you need and want yeah, from the service. It's, it's, you can't argue it, really. But I do like the idea of like he's talking about too. Uh, you know, if the way that game design starts to shift is that you make your game the normal way, but then you add extra incentives, which happens all across the board. We see this in like Warframe will do like partnerships with Amazon Prime, and once a month or once ever so often, a Prime drop will happen where you get if you're a Prime member, you log in or show that you're somehow connected, and then they give you a bunch of stuff. They give right. you credits and and whatnot, and that's a great way to be able to tie things together. Um, so that's a good way to do it, but you know, Warframe's a weird example because it's a very highly monetized game. Uh, but it's just a good example of how those things can work out. And Halo being highly monetized too is not a great sway towards that. But I get where you're coming from, Colin. Thanks for the answer, man. Um, Saw so you want to grab one? I'm going to go get the Facebooks one. Seven, yeah, one. Uh, actually, just right below him is our good buddy Liam. He says, "I'm all for it. I buy physical always because the prices slash deals are normally better. Plus, I can trade in titles." Very few stuff I actually keep. And then he goes on to say, I could actually try many of the new games on launch rather than waiting on a price drop. Price drop. The bummer part is reading that it'll include old-gen games, and I worry about licensing being an issue. Because licensing for stuff like soundtracks, um, licensing rights to characters, stuff like that can expire. And, and that can end a game coming back at all. Look at Crisis Core. So. That's actually the first thing whenever, as soon as I think it was Rude Days who posted this in our Discord when it first came out and Jason had tweeted about it. First thing was interesting 
but licensing is going to be a huge hit specifically to PSP. It's like it's crazy how many PSP games have weirdly licensed music and stuff like that. But you're, it's going to kill a bunch of other stuff, too. Because I think what happens is that people end up loving certain games, right? Like I'm sure someone will be like, I'd love to play Spider-Man 2 backwards compat on PS5 or whatever it be. But hate to tell you, the rights to Spider-Man 2 are just gone. <laughs> yeah. You're not getting those back. Someone's going to have to spend a lot of money to do it. And I, I, I won't say they won't get them back, but you're not getting them back easily. And there's going to be a lot of cost involved. And there's going to be less incentive for them to do so when they have the very high-selling current Marvel ones for Sony, um, which difference being is that Activision making very mid-budget games, low to mid-budget games for Spider-Man, didn't really feel the need to pay to keep the license. Sony made one of the most acclaimed games of last generation, and then the follow-up with Miles Morales is very highly um, acclaimed as well. They have far more reason, and they're a far bigger company for this particular need to be like, we're going to keep this active. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some kind of, I don't want to call it a lifetime um Maybe it is. You know, I'm almost curious if PlayStation was able to be like, hey, if we're going to make this, we're, we're down, but we're going to have a lifetime right to this license. Yeah. Um, that would make the most sense to me. Or at least for this game. You know, like we won't always have the ability to make new games, but you're always going to be able to release this game again. Yeah. You will, we we'll always fit. have rights to this one particular game or something. Yeah. Uh, I have another response, though, and this is kind of a lengthy one, so bear with me. It is Rude Days 93 on Discord. He says, All right, Games Pass Shield response incoming, but you'll see <laughs> that everything posted below is 100% right at this time. Okay. This is why you should be in our Discord because you get a lengthy response to this stuff, and then you can go on. Uh, in our community's take discussion thread, hint, hint, and then discuss it all. Um, <laughs> he says, right now, I'm not concerned about Games Pass changing game design. I believe Games Pass will keep the game design more traditional, quote-unquote, for the next few years at least. Here's why. Let's take a look around the industry. EA is still selling Madden and FIFA at full price and with pay-to-win microtransactions. Take-Two has Rockstar that still hasn't made G- uh, GTA 6 because GTA 5 continues to be their moneymaker and it acquires attention, as I said in previous communities. He goes on to say Take-Two is basically a casino now. Ubisoft is rumored to be making both the next Assassin's Creed and Far Cry games live service, and they'll probably add in a Battle Royale that will fail miserably. And then he says, finally, there's Activision. Hey, Tony Hawk and Crash were great games. You guys made them that they're going to support studios for COD now. Now we have a look at Xbox Game Studios. And he said he puts a parentheses, not including Bethesda. We have announced Hellblade 2, Fabled, Avowed, Outer Worlds 2, and Perfect Dark, just to name a few. All these games are, uh, are rumored to either be single-player or co-op, at least by various insiders. Obviously, those reports could be false, but I'll take my chances with those games that will be in uh, Games Pass one day, or day one, that will be basically every huge third-party publisher is working towards. So he makes a good point. Honestly, when you take a look at his core argument or conversation about this, is that there is a lot of reoccurring, mainly games, reoccurring franchises that are kind of doing their own thing to, to strive. And that he makes a good point in the fact that if they go to Games Pass, they're not going to be doing much anything or games going to Games Pass really isn't going to change the focus of stuff because of other games like this that are in the industry. And it's also important to say that all of these games that we're talking about were announced after game. And I mean, clearly because game Pass has been around for like three to four years now, but it, it is important to say, these are not games that as far as we can tell have been in the works. Most of them are from actually acquisitions. So these are acquisitions and titles being worked on after game pass is already focused and after they already promised day one. So if, if their intentions are there and I do agree with them for the most part, um, 
if their intentions are there, they have more reason to keep these structured. The yeah. only thing I will say is that I don't think anybody ever per- originally looked at Halo as a very microtransaction-focused game series. And now it's very different than it was. So I guess all I'll, all I'll kind of use to argue here, and that's also still important because Halo's multiplayer is what we're talking about specifically right now. Which and is it's not, not under Game Pass. Yeah, which is not under Game Pass. Um, now, if somehow... The campaign for it Halo is. is microtransaction heavy. It is under Game Pass, I guess, technically. Like, you could download it from Game Pass, I think. But yeah, it's yeah, not. But, but it's not required. Yeah, it's not required. It is a free to play game, just yeah. like Fortnite is and Apex and so stuff like that. To that end, we've seen Halo make a big change on its specifically its multiplayer side. But to be fair to Halo, pretty much all first person shooter, or even really, I guess, third person shooter for the few that are out there, multiplayer games have changed to be far more microtransaction-focused. It's just been a long while since Halo's been out. Well, that's something I was going to talk to Chris about last episode that we didn't get to. But it was it's essentially like comparing Halo the way it is now and saying Games Pass is, is to me, it's a hard comparison to make when you can look at Apex and say Battle Pass, first-person shooter, multiplayer game. You can choose to pay things if you want. Now... Granted, Halo does have some high prices, just like Sea of Thieves does, where the prices are kind of high for what you pay for, but the model structure is similar. Yeah. And it's it's the same with Rainbow Six Siege, but that game's not free to play. Um, it's the same with um, same, uh, Call Destiny. of Duty. And Destiny, Destiny. is free to play now, but when it yeah. started, it wasn't. Yeah. So a good example there, though, is, I'll, and I'll give Chris a little bit of credit. He actually... And I'm not saying you weren't, but just to clarify yeah. for anyone else, uh, because it is important to the thing. His his argument, in case you didn't listen to last week's episode and are coming in on this one, is not so much that Halo has these things, but the fact that Halo has them and they're so much higher, at least from what he thinks. I don't have a lot of frame of reference. So I'm, I don't either. I'm to willing fair. to trust him a little bit more. He plays far more free-to-play games. He's a huge Apex fan than, I, than me. So with that said... He is saying that this is way higher and way worse and way more pushed towards trying to get you to pay for things than something like Apex. How true that is, I don't have a a finger on the pulse enough to really know, but it it definitely feels blown out for my expectations. And it's gotten a lot better because the thing is, I went from being like level nine to being level 26 in the battle pass because of a few changes they've made. Um, Which definitely helps pull away from the fact of like, the only way you'll complete this battle pass is if you buy a bunch of $2 skips, you know, level skips, um, boost, whatever you want to call them. So to that end, that's there. And I do want to say Rude Days has got a continued conversation uh, that he says where he says, my Game Pass post was so long he forgot to give his PlayStation thoughts. So he says, thinking about it more, and that's why I also said this at the beginning because he's about to say in a weird way kind of what I was getting at. He says it's actually more similar to Nintendo's service than it is the Game Pass. That can pat for older generations locked behind a paywall. And again, we don't know to what degree because the chances of them being streaming focused are very high. Um, there's a chance that PS1, PS2 could work on PS5, PSP as well, PS3, no. So it would be odd seeing them locked behind a paywall unless that paywall is there to help pay for licenses for certain games that people would want, like Crisis Core. That would be cool. If, yeah. that's, if that's the price to pay, I'd be willing. If it meant that we could get older games re-licensed and coming out, I'd pay for that. that. That'd be cool. But past that, demos and such features similar to Switch's service. I'm excited about it because PS Now needed a revamp, but curious how it's going to work. And that's the thing. is It's, it's very vague and, and nascent and just you we're kind of outside looking in on something that seems to be incomplete or at least 
we're not too far into it. Um, and the fact that it's still unclear if these services are even going to include PS1, PS2, and PSP makes me wonder if that actually is because of licensing, because they know that there's going to be a handful of licenses they have to deal with in order to make this stuff work out correctly. Yeah. Um, and that would be awesome. I mean, I really do genuinely think if that's the way they're going to go for this and the whatever the tier is, is, you know, let's say right now, to get a year of PS Plus and a year of PS Now is $120 a year if you get them at normal price. All right? Okay. If they're just telling me that that moves up to like $150 a year as a total cost, yeah, that's not that big of a move up. Ideally, it everything coming together helps it go down, but I know that they don't want to hit their profit margins that way. So it will be interesting to see because, I mean, like, I don't think anybody's that excited about the fact that on Nintendo – you have to have the game thing online to play the old virtual consoles when that's never been the case. But it is what it is. Yeah, because you can play that in offline mode. What do you mean? Too. The virtual consoles. Yeah, but you still have to have the subscription to be able to play them on Switch, right? Yes, but you don't have to be tied to the internet. That's a common Which is good. people have. I, yeah. I use my Switch 99 point. Actually, as a matter of fact, it's right here. I guarantee you, if I open my Switch up. I assume you have a, it gives you air- a license that's tied to the ex- expiration date of your It's service. on airplane mode. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I don't ever play it by Switch in Wi-Fi mode ever unless I'm playing a multiplayer game. Yeah, that would and be wild. So I wouldn't have wild. expected that. Now, yeah, if it, if it was the other way, then that's crazy. But it, I assume it's just like PS Plus to a degree. It just gives you a, a license for so long. And then as long as you connect to the internet every now and then, it'll just continue to renew it as it needs to. Um, that being said, I want to kind of look at some of these other ones because there are some interesting ones. I'm going to go to Facebook real quick. We've got Josh Shoop, one of my good friends, Josh, hope you're doing well. I know that it's crazy season for you, uh, considering all things going on. So I hope you're doing all right, man. He says, the elder gamer in me does not care for anything being monetized within a game, but it's clear that that's the direction we are going. The way I see it is just because something is in a game, skins, new guns, etc., doesn't mean that you need it. If that were the case, I would have spent hundreds of dollars on all the different Minecraft DLC for my kids. It's nice to have the option to buy it to enhance the base game. So to answer the question, yes, I think to a degree it's going to have an effect, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I like that. It's a very metered answer. Because even if you think something will have an impact, the impact doesn't have to be viewed negatively. Yeah. Um, and, And of course, I did not intend to frame the question negatively. And I think that that comes down to where you are on the thing, whether you view it negatively, you're going to think it's like, well, but either way, uh, there's one more on there. I want to knock out real quick too. It's Ken Nace. He says, yes, I do have some fear that subscriptions will have a negative impact on game design, but I also have my doubts that subscription services will be as popular and uh, with video games as they are with movies, TV and music. I also think people are making too big of a deal out of the Sony news. It sounds more like a rebranding than an actual legitimate Game Pass competitor. Again, right now it's so vague. Ken's pretty accurate. It's hard to tell, yeah. Uh, Without new releases on day one, which we've seen from a multitude of people that it looks like to be the case, uh, I doubt that many people will care. This may actually draw more negative attention to Sony if it's viewed as less than Game Pass, especially if backwards compatibility is locked to this service. Yeah, and that's that's in line with what I've thought before. I've said before, <clears throat> digital-only future is inevitable eventually, but um, subscription-only future, I don't think would ever be the thing. And Ryan, over on Twitter... <laughs> I'm going to say... 
he uh, he says, I fear subscription-only future where you don't even have the ability to buy and own games. And then he goes on to say, whether it be physical or digital, um, you have to be subbed to even access the games. And because profits will be tied to the number of people subbing, the game transactions will be focused on. I don't think we'll ever get to that aspect of games. Like, I don't think you could, you, like, you'll ever, you, Xbox won't have an online store to go buy Halo or PlayStation won't have an uh, a online store to go buy Bloodborne 2. That won't be a thing. I don't think we'll ever get to that point. And if it is, it's so far into the future that I think that it's not even worth the thought to have now. Um, I do think that there's going to be subscription supplementary services like we do have PS Now, PS Plus, Games Pass. Um, That's going to be embedded into the culture now and for the foreseeable future just because that is the culture of everything involved with technology. You To go to like... Bloomberg, which is where this article came from, or one of the articles it came from, you can subscribe to Bloomberg for $290 a year. Now, you actually do get a lot of content for that. You get a lot of cool little benefits. But if it's that's kind of, thing. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like one of the things of you can't just go to the store and pay a dollar for a newspaper anymore. You have to subscribe to the newspaper service to get your news every day. You have to subscribe to a video game service to play online. You have to subscribe to a video game. I say you have to. You don't have to. You don't have to do any of this. You don't have to subscribe to Game Pass, Game Pass monthly. A lot of people say I only pay two, uh, play two games a month, so Game Pass sucks. It sucks for you, but because nobody's holding a gun to your head saying you're you're here for a year, you subscribe for a month, you play a game, you unsubscribe two two months later, three months later, you do it again. Um, but um, yeah, I don't think we could ever see a subscription only future. I actually I actually could almost say that we won't. Because there's, even though that there is like internet is on the rise and in countries that were not quite competent with it before, uh, in terms of accessibility, in terms of internet speeds, um, I do think though that people are not going to um, want to shift to something like this full time. Already, you see backlash of having a Netflix streaming service for Paramount, Hulu, HBO, Netflix, everything. You have too many streaming services. That's a common complaint people have now. Wait till video games start doing it because you're going to have a Take-Two slash Rockstar streaming service that has all their games. You're going to have a Bungie streaming service. Like It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen anytime soon, at least. See, I think what's interesting about that, because I've actually thought about that a few times as well, right? If it does, don't support it. Is that TVs are so much more ubiquitous. Movies and TV shows are much more ubiquitous yeah. than gaming. Gaming has a ton of money in it because the initial cost of most of these things is higher. You know, a, a cost of buying a 4K Blu-ray is normally is normally around 25 bucks if you want to get the highest quality. And if you want to get a normal Blu-ray, 20, DVD, 10, 15, whatever it be, for like a new release, right? So to that degree, the average movie costs about a quarter or a third of what a game costs if you're going to buy it. And because of that, I think it makes it a lot easier to go into this thing where people do this thing and, and, and kind of do these subscriptions and all these different things because of that. But the subscription services are on a TV that every household in America has. The difference is that currently not every household in America has an Xbox, a PlayStation or a Nintendo. And when you're looking at it from that viewpoint, there's less of a reason for a company like Take Two to be like, hey, we're going to do this unless Take Two gets and figures out how do we make it to where we can have a streaming service that's available to be put on any TV because suddenly their potential user base goes through the roof. You know, and I'm not going to say these things can't happen, but because of the way that gaming works, they're currently kind of 
not forced, but they're currently incentivized to just be like, we're going to keep releasing on these consoles where we have very large groups of people who act as our user base. Yeah. Um, and I think a big example of that will be if, if Xbox does manage to get the game streaming that they are talking about with uh, Project X Cloud onto TVs, and if you'll be able to buy games directly from them. Now, that's still through game uh, that's still through xbox and so if something were to come out and be like hey if we're gonna make our take two streaming service it would still at that point need to be on xbox unless yeah. they put their own money into it not saying that this is impossible but i agree with you that it seems like we're really far away from that in particular if yeah. it's ever going to become that but i don't I, I i made that up as a scenario that better not happen that's why i said sure, don't support sure. it if it does because yeah. You should never buy a subscription service to Bungie's like monthly game stuff. Like that's at that point, don't like that's in, in, encouraging a toxic environment of which you have hundreds of dollars a month going to subscription services that should not exist in the first place. Well, can I? I, I want to play devil's advocate there for a second because it is interesting. You just said, and I know because Blake uses this argument as well, and I, it's a it's a genuine and a fair argument. But it's that people don't like to have to micromanage their stuff this hard. You just said a second ago, like if you don't want one of these services, like you know Game Pass, you can just be like, I want to play it for these two months and then drop it, and then if I want it again when this game comes out, I'll pick it back up. If and all and all, if if every company did that, you could honestly do the same thing. It really wouldn't be hundreds of dollars a month. It's just that no one wants to do, and it's exactly why I dropped. I don't have Hulu, and if something comes to Hulu, I just don't care. I'm well, not paying for Hulu again. At that point, you know what I mean. At that point, well, no, that's it's a little different in the sense that if you have studios trying to make streaming services, not companies, okay, but studios have companies, and they become successful in that nature, we will start to move away. People are worried that Games Pass is going to do this. Games Pass is not going to move us away from from typical game creation as a whole. It might do it for some studios, but as a whole, it's not going to do it. If you start doing that with certain studios and publishers start having their own services, then yeah, you're going to take the core of what gaming has traditionally done, and you're going to start moving it to a little bit of a different area. Because because subscription-based services at that point will be the norm. Okay, but what I mean is you won't have hundreds of dollars per month if you choose to do exactly like you can do a TV. That doesn't right matter for you if you don't out. subscribe to it, though. Sure. Like, that's, that's one of those things sure. because at that yeah, point, the damage is already it. done. But even if well, they no, 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 no. I'm saying like at that point, the damage is already done. So even if you do want certain games, you can't play them because you, you don't want to sign up for 343. Because 343 saw that Rockstar was successful and Rockstar saw that. Yeah, yeah literally the exact same problem TV is, TV is in right now. Yeah, it is. If you want to go watch one show, because Paramount saw that Hulu was successful, Paramount became a thing, and then people subbed to Paramount and they gave them and they made them successful. So now Nickelodeon's going to do it. If you if you support it the way this moves, you're going to literally pay in, in order to enjoy what you want to enjoy hundreds of dollars a month or, or even a hundred dollars a month up there in prices to be able to enjoy all the content you enjoy because all these streaming services pop up. We've seen it happen with games and I mean not games, TV shows and movies. It can happen with games if you let it get far enough. Look at how far 2K gets with with NBA games. You may look at that as predatory casinos as Rude Day said, but to the NBA 2K players that's the norm. So they support it. Sure. But to everybody else out in the world, microtransactions like that are what spawned the microtransactions we see in Halo. Because they're so successful. So they, agree, yeah. they, they know they won't be as successful. So they won't make them as bad. But what they'll do is they'll make a small offshoot of that microtransaction. And eventually they'll work their way up and they'll see what they can test out. Just like EA and Battlefront 2. They, they, they tested the waters with, with having to unlock stuff through money. And only money. And 
that's where the whole pride and accomplishment thing came from. It was either hundreds and hundreds of hours to unlock this Darth Vader skin or $20. So of course the normal person is going to pay $20 because you, you took the only other option and made it in, invalid for most people. Which is exactly the argument, even though I don't want to get too lost there, about Halo, right? Because it's to the point where the the day that they introduced the new system for scoring, where at the beginning of the day you get 300 points. The fact that it was that, implemented that easily meant it could have been there from the beginning. Yeah, for sure. And it wasn't. I agree there. But what was interesting is we played with somebody that first day who already had the level 100 and everything. I said, there's no way he did not just buy all the level boosts to get there. Yeah, and, it's, just, and, it's impossible. There's no way you could have done the battle pass. I don't care if you were playing day and night because no, the challenge system, it's impossible. It's done because you only get so many challenges a week too. So you get to a point where you literally cannot continue you to get far enough in somebody on the um, uh, subreddit said it cost 134 dollars to level up from zero to 100 which is not if you start with the one that gives you 25 skips right i don't think so i think that that was it, it was 83 with that there was two numbers and i don't remember the context of the smaller well, number. it's two dollars per level if there's 100 then it's 200 bucks not well. No, that doesn't go into discounts that you get for all the extra coins. That, and that's stuff. also so true. I, I don't, that's if you're a game pass. I don't. Yeah, I don't know because that well. means at that point it wouldn't cost 134. It cost only 100. Yeah, I don't know either way. Either way, yeah, uh, I don't want to move too far yeah. away. But still, going back to your thing, I get what you're saying, and I and I even I understand the, the fear and looking at the things that are going. But just to add context to that, while we did see that with TV, you know, what's been really interesting is seeing the continued re. Uh, consolidation. So what we originally were seeing was we had a few, right? We had Netflix first, then we had Hulu, and Netflix, and was, that was, was really the two a DVD distribution, like distribution yeah. service. But Netflix even... was like the first one to come out, and Netflix had tons of streaming content because they were yep. the only ones doing it, right? Game, uh, so Gamefly. Then Hulu started doing specifically stream stuff, and then they started getting some of the stuff, and they were like, "We're going to change our model. Netflix is where you go to watch it all for binge. We're going to be the place where you can watch some things. It's like binge, TV, but it's more like, hey, if you don't want to pay for TV, you can pay." this many dollars a month and this episode will be added the day after so that was Hulu's thing well then from there we just started seeing everything spit her out uh, to where it's like Amazon Prime we have uh, Prime Video you have uh, NBC ended up going off and doing their thing which goes towards my argument in a second but you had NBC you have Disney you have uh, Paramount mm -hmm. you have all these different companies that have come out and be like we're doing our own yet HBO had yep. their own before HBO Max Amazon their has their own well yeah. to be fair that's that's a little different uh, that but count. Showtime has their own yep. and then they started all linking in and now what's happening is that some of these that branched out and made their own are actually reconsolidating back in with others Paramount is part of that. Uh, Paramount absorbed, I think, CBS All Access and something else. Uh, yeah. And they're all together. Because what have... people are finding is that because of people being so annoyed at that, these things are starting to fail. So they yeah. can make more money Absolutely. by taking it out of their hands and being like, we're just going to give you all of our, our content for a certain single uh, agreed upon price. And that way it's out of our hands and we're not losing money for being the service streamer. Yep. So eventually in games, the same thing would start to happen. While you might start, you might start to see people fracture, 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 eventually it's going to hit to a point where no one's making enough money because there's too many out there. And like I said, people don't like to micromanage because you, the, the real solution is that, like you said, you just choose the ones you want and then rotate through. Like this month I want to do this so I can do this. Like look at it from the TV angle. I'm going to watch Arcane on Netflix this month. I'm going to do one month sub, do that, watch anything else that's on Netflix in that month that I've kind of been interested in, then I'm going to bounce. But, and then the next month, I'm going to go to Hulu and watch this thing that's on Hulu. But people don't like doing that. And that's a white reason I don't because you don't. it's micromanaging. You don't want that environment to exist for you to have to do that. And that's um, why everybody is starting in TV is starting to kind of reconsolidate, right? Hulu's part of Disney Plus I'll say now. This, ESPN's part of Disney Plus now. I'll say this. I don't think that would happen for games because they're 
there TV is a little different in the fact that nobody is a Paramount fanboy. That's true. There are, there are people out there that are so dedicated to PlayStation, to Xbox, to PC, to Nintendo that'll die on a hill of I'll stay subscribed to Game Smash just because of the Xbox. But that's I don't a play service, games. though, right? But I to, know, but that's the, the same thing with Rockstar fans. If where Rockstar I thought you were was going, to make a thing, where I thought you were going, which I was actually going to bring up on my own as well, was that gaming is different in the fact that TV is TV is normally a flash in a pan, and where everyone loves Squid Game, but you watch Squid Game once and then you're done. Yeah. Whereas the difference is everyone loves Halo, but you don't watch. You don't unlike Squid Game where you watch it all in a week or whatever it takes you and then be done. Halo, you're playing and then all your friends play for four months. So that means that if Halo is on its own subservice and you like playing that, you're going to, have to be sub to that for four months to be able to continue playing with your friend. But then in the middle of that, you want to be able to play Halo some days, but you also want to come over here and be like, you know what? I'd really like to be able to play Madden. Well, now you have to pay EA Play's subscription service. And if you keep playing Madden with people like you want to, there goes that. All right. Now you want story games. Well, there's one. Bethesda has a bunch of story games lined up that you like. Well, each one of those is locked behind subscription service. Well, I guess I'll keep that one going because I'll play their games off enough. Now you have three subscription costs and it can get worse from there. And that starts getting people. It, because of the fact that they're far more long term, like you know, you can continuously binge the office, and that's fun to do when you're doing other things. But it's you're not going to keep a sub for four months for a single show. You know, I just not realize what Games Pass is the reason that hasn't happened. What do you mean? Why would Rockstar go out and make a game s- service for that when they're already or not Rockstar, but they have to go out and make a game service for that when they're already tied under Games Pass? They can't. Why would what would, what would they benefit? So wait, what do you mean by Game Pass? Do you mean more of why? Well, like why? Why have we not seen a a, ga- a Bethesda gaming service up until this point? Like, yeah, they didn't have the capital to work on actually developing these backend software. A good example of that is actually HBO. They were trying to do that, and HBO Max, as much as I like the content, the HBO Max UI and actual operating is terrible. Yeah, but as long as the content's good, you getting through some menus degree, sucks. But, but it, I honestly canceled Hulu specifically because of how bad their UI is. Also, Hulu is uh, yeah, it's bad, but. Anyways, I don't think we'll ever get to that point, but I think that if it if it happens in in a in a media gaming would be the point because you have the same people paying for the casino stuff in NBA two K six or to NBA two K every year, they don't care. You have the same people doing the same stuff in Madden every year, they don't care. They're going to keep doing it. So I think that when when you have mass amount mass supporters that would pay those dollars to keep it to happening, then companies would keep trying to do it. Where I think that's I think that's where you get a danger zone. I don't think we're close to danger zone now at all in gaming. I think actually, as a matter of fact, the fact that Sony is making rumored making a service like this is it shows you that competition is working, and this is how healthy business relationships work. I will also say something that's really interesting right now is the power of the internet and gamers being so tied into internet. Because like, whereas uh, let's be honest for a second, the Sonic movie, there's no way in hell. That if that was anything besides a gaming, if that was a, let's say that that was a movie called, I don't even know what to call it. Let's just call it Family Fun Time. And someone was like, I really don't like the design for that character. It looks terrible. They would have never changed that and it would have never ended up doing better than it was, than it was thought people thought it was going to do. So a good example is like, because of the power of the internet. Are you saying something was like Harry Potter? A, a good example, something. yeah. A good example is the power of the internet, and Harry Potter might be one that could tap into it, much like Sonic. But Sonic being so gamer focused, this is sometimes in a very toxic way. But gamers have their finger on the pulse. Uh, core gamers, like a very specific, have their finger on the pulse on online and how to go about trying to make change happen online, whether it being a positive way or in a toxic way. Okay, and 
we see it bleed outside of gaming for something like a movie based around games where they pushed and got the, something to change. And we're seeing Halo change right now because people are, are pushing back, pushing back and saying we're not going to stand up for this. So a lot of the times I feel like gaming companies try to self-regulate themselves so they can stop hopefully from getting that backlash. But then when they don't, they get the backlash and Gamers are so persistent online that they know how to kind of influence change, even if they're doing so in a really bad way. I don't know though, because like, that's a big part of it. Is that it's a mixed bag? It is. You see, like what happened, like EA and Battlefront, and then you look at Battlefield twenty forty two. I don't. I haven't heard much about Battlefield twenty except for the fact that sixty percent of players is, is gone, and this is not a free to play game. Yeah, but it's just that's just bad game design. From I mean, saying and bad bad game design, design was Battlefront two's problem. And people boycotted yeah, so that, that was game. specifically microtransaction, right? So yeah, I guess it, it's, it depends on what's focused. I think that people are going to riot when it's something like you made a good well, game, but then riddle it with microtransactions versus you made a game that d- can't run. Well, the, well, know? the problem is, is like th- this game design or not, people they vocalize their distaste in EA back then. Sure. And it taught EA, like they changed Battlefront's two systems entirely, and yes. it actually launched in a success, so like like a, a very successful form. Um, and then. You have problems like this, where all of a sudden everything that these companies learn, it doesn't even matter if it's EA. This could have been GTA that launched in this state. The fact that we're referencing it now as examples, other companies are aware of that example. Mm-hmm. Other companies can see that this game launched with this microtransaction thing. You don't think the lead person at 343 doesn't know about the, the highest downvoted comment of Reddit of all time from EA? Of course And does. they still implement it because yeah. they don't care. They're going to get away with it until Outlash, and then they're going to go back. And then the next game they launch, they're going to do it again. They're going to go back. And they're going to do it again. And go Push back. the envelope. They're going to do it every time. But as long as, as long as they're being supported by the likes of people who literally gamble in games, like I keep bringing back 2K, it does not matter. It's just, it's just not letting them get that envelope too far. And I think, in my opinion, the envelope too far is seeing Rockstar come out of the streaming service or a game service or Bungie coming out of the game service or Blizzard. And then that's, that then... That's when you are too far. They got that ten cent money, but they do. do. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's. These are two really interesting answers. Uh, that was an interesting sub conversation. It there. was. So Ryan, Almost thanks stretched. for that idea. Um, those two Twitter answers that were given back to back, where it's so interesting that they both start the exact opposite way uh, from each other, basically. So Mark Schutz, one of our patrons and longtime listeners, he says a hundred percent couldn't care less. And all the time Game Pass has been around, I've spent two dollars for two months to play two games. Not a chance I'd jump on a PlayStation version. I do want to add context there. Uh, Mark found us a long time ago, uh, and he is. I don't. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I would say he's. I think more Xbox oriented and plays PlayStation when something interests him, uh, which is fairly often. Uh, but even on Xbox, he sees it better to buy the games he is. So I think that that's important to kind of look. This is not someone just saying that they couldn't care less because they don't play game. They don't play Xbox. So therefore, the two times they did it, it didn't really care or bother them. This is someone who plays the system enough to where Game Pass could benefit them in the way that most people view it to be beneficial. And he still sees it as not interesting. So. Mark, thanks for the uh, thanks for the insight on that. Uh, the next answer, though, is one hundred percent interested. <laughs> like literally, both start with one hundred percent. He says PlayStation Now just does not compare to Game Pass, nor does it ever bill itself to. I just want to say that, and I would kill for the ability to play the classics, but like have them not be super laggy due to streaming. Um, yeah, streaming is going to be a really weird thing here. There's PS Five can play PS One, PS Two, and PSP games. It just can. Now, whether or not they want to put in the work to make it be where you get enhanced backwards compatibility, I would love that. I would love that. 
as well as I don't know if you guys have seen, there's been some patents going around, kind of like what PlayStation ended up doing with the PS2 classics, where these games will get newly integrated trophy support for PS1, PS2, and PSP games where they originally cool. did not have them. Uh, we did see that with the PS2 versions on PS4. Um, so being able to kind of have that go across the board would have been pretty cool. Also, PSP at one point was intended to have uh, trophies, but they decided to pull off of it <gasps> due to the copious amounts of um oh what's going on here berserk yeah i just saw that is that guts it is either way um yeah that's it those are two interesting ones i think i want to grab one more at max and then we're going to bounce out so thanks to everyone i'm going to do jehudi md one of our longtime listeners judy i hope you're doing well man he says it's a conflict for me for one as i got older i started to be selective with my games given the time and money that games require these days on the other hand having such a service will increase that i will probably try more games and maybe have games for my kids too especially that i won't be playing said games and less likely to buy them too I do still believe that microtransactions will litter these games, but from a financial perspective, Game Pass Ultimate is the cost of two games per year, and I sure put more than that throughout the year into a total cost of games and services. It's an interesting way to look at it, and the other thing is to see how long Microsoft can hold out this price point. Um, So, uh, really, Game Pass Ultimate being fifteen dollars a month puts it closer to around three, you know, two and a half to three games a year. But the 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 message is still there. If you buy three games a year, Game Pass is ultimately the same same cost for you, but with a potentially very increased value depending on what you're interested in game wise. Yeah. And continuing how they uh, seeing how they continue to still grow. So I think the big interesting thing here is going to be looking at uh, kind of the idea of what Sony really does here. And I think the real thing that's going to play into how this works is going to be whether or not they're day and date, which just seems to not be the case. So we get a little bit of time to see. I'm curious as to what the timeline is internally for PlayStation. If this really is something they're pushing hard for to get this out and about, you know, is this something we'll see within the next year or is this going to be something they work on for a long time and introduce a little later in to the generation? We will see. I hope this is, I kind of hope one of this was, the rumors that they get bullied into releasing all the information like within a week. So maybe this week we'll see something. Who knows? Where it's like a control the thing, but like, hey, the report is right. We are doing this. We want to clarify this, this, and this. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see. Uh speaking of seeing it this week, you know what else we're gonna see this week? The game awards. It's that time of year again, even though I have I am forever yelling at Jeff Keegley to tighten the pace up on this thing. Uh, <laughs> this year, it doesn't matter to me because I took the day off afterwards because it's probably gonna go till eleven PM icon. Yeah. Uh so, like every year, um, we like to get in a little conversation uh, and to brighten up the community's take. Is instead of going about Games Pass or Games Service this next week, we could go about it with this week. And typically, for year to year, we kind of talk about what we want to see as Game of the Year or what we hope to see as Game of the Year, what we think, what we'll see. Um, and then we ask you guys for the same question. What would you want to see as the game of the year and what do you want it to be? So, um, do we want to kind of talk about predictions as to what we, uh, what we think might be shown, which is a little harder, but only give like a couple of, are you talking about like, um, like reveals. reveals. Yes. That was the other part was, so the game, the game of the year thing is not the exciting part to me. It's the reveals. Um, even though seeing the awards is pretty cool. I do not want to see the performances. (laughs) Um, so, uh, just to get this out of the way, though, real quick, the Game of the Year nominations for the Game Awards of 2021, it is Deathloop, 
made by Arcane Studios. Uh, it take or Arcane Studios Bethesda Software Works. Softworks. It takes two. Hazelight Studios and Electronic Arts. Metroid Dread. Mercury Steam, Nintendo EPD, Nintendo, uh, Psychonauts 2, which is Double Fine Productions and Xbox Game Studios, Ratchet and Clank, A Rift Apart, Insomniac Games, and of course, Sony Entertainment, uh, Inter- Interactive Entertainment. Almost, <laughs> I want to say Sony SIE, and I'm like, nope, that's not right. And then, of course, Resident Evil Village, which is Capcom, which is the weirdest game of the year lineup it's been in a couple years to me. There's a lot of games on here I would not have... Maybe I'm out of the loop on It Takes Two. I did not realize that could have been a Game of the Year contender. Um, you know, it, the thing is, is like, um, I don't think it ever actually ended up hitting Game of the Year discussions in the real, real sense. Like, it didn't get nominated, uh, at least on the, for specifically the Game Awards. And there are more important awards than the Game Awards, to be honest, too. I think one thing I want to say here is uh, the Game Awards is far more about entertainment and far less about really recognizing the best of the industry every single time. It depends on what's going on. Uh, apparently there's a movie called it takes two that has Ashley, <laughs> Mary Kate and Ashley. It is. Uh, yeah. I, see, I keep seeing it down there, but anyways, but the, the kind of what I'm getting at here is that winning a, a, a game, winning game of the year at the game awards is still a big thing. And I think in some ways they try and bill it, even though it's really not as the voice of the gamers. Yeah. The reality is, is that the game of the year is decided upon by a board of people in the industry, like normally entertainers and, and influencers. It's that, mainly that, yeah, that like go through that. Uh, and then our votes that they, uh, they allow us to put in play a smaller role in that. They, they play um, a smaller factoring part into why this game made it and it's almost like from what i've heard it's almost like an argument tiebreaker of like basically like if there's two that are on the line but one scored better fine we'll use it with one. with the yeah with the people it's like we're going to use this one because of that reasoning you know it's it's <laughs> it sounds weird but it's almost actually like the american politics system in the sense that it's just you putting in votes for what you want but then people who are basically acting as representatives for everybody making the decisions yep. they don't necessarily have to tie in with what we chose so to that end um, I think it's important to realize that this is not the game of the year end all be all for everything. If you want a game to be, if you want to look at a game and be like, I feel like it should have gotten nominated or it should have gotten a win or something, look at the Dice Awards. The Dice Awards are much more in favor of looking at things from a development standpoint. And I would say that developers themselves actually look more for the Dice Awards as a, as a thing of like um, merit. I think that they really yeah. look at that as a bigger award than the Game of the Year award or any of the awards specifically at the Game Awards. This is far more for entertainment purposes. This has E3-esque reveals. It has Imagine Dragons, probably, probably, hopefully not. Um, yeah, to, well, the, the reason you kind of know that is because this is the kind of thing where the reveals outweigh the actual wins. Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to be like, hey, we won best game direction for Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart during the commercial break. Except, <laughs> I'm yeah, so excited. Except the one year Sekiro won. <laughs> that was pretty... Having a From Software game win game of the year is pretty yeah. mind-blowing. But, I mean, yeah. yeah, this is more so... This is the way I talked to Brett about it, was that we're going to get pizza. It's It falls on our Yu-Gi-Oh! night. We're going to get pizza, hang out, watch it, play Yu-Gi-Oh!, play Magic or whatever, and then watch that. And this is more of a Super Bowl S thing since E3 cannot take its spot. Um, take that with how uh, take that how you want. Um, yeah. But pretty much out of these games, for me, what what do you expect, Brett, to be game of the year? Not what you want, but what you expect of the ones. And that's really rough because I'm going to go ahead and say I've only played Ratchet and Deathloop. Yeah. Okay. 
I, what do you I really want to play It Takes Two, but looking at kind of like expectation from thing, from discussion I've seen, it's really hard to say. I think, I, it's I, think be- I think Ratchet and Clank has a really high chance. Resident Evil, I kind of understand why it's here. It's just it's weird. It's the out, problem it's with all place. these games is that the conversation around each game moved on very quickly. Almost all of these, yeah, it actually did. You're not wrong. Uh, like, these games all feel out of place for a game of the year discussion. This 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 well, feels like the user submitted game of the year discussion. Well, it's weird. So, like looking at this, if you had to look, what other games would you think would be in this? Demon Souls. Okay. Oh, that, and I didn't know that, if Demon Souls was there last year or not. I don't remember if it was there last year or not, but it it, it probably te- was. It's a technical it marvel cut off. So, like, I think that that should be there. Um, okay, Returnal, okay. I think, is there just from once again it being a, a from an accessibility and, and a genre defining. Marvel. If you really want to look at that, yeah, because uh, Hades won last year. So I'm trying to think, what else is there that that came out this year? Um, I feel like I'm missing something. Well, and see, I think that's the interesting thing is I think this has been a year full of great games. Yeah, but I don't feel like there's been the handful of games that just so easily stand above the rest for most people. Now it's interesting taking a second on what I think of the ones that are here are most deserving of what I've played again, only two games. So that makes it really hard. I am very partial to death loop. I think death loop was a con- just an amazing game. Um, and a little more oh, interesting Elysium. in its idea than ratchet and clink was you know ratchet and clink's a great game and it's super well done and it can do fine uh, disco elysium is weird because it, it was technically released last year much like hades you know where it's like releasing things at different times like that game could have won game of the year multiple years in a row if that's how you wanted to count i'm it, surprised you know? bowser's fury isn't put on there even though it's a smaller game that's still a mario game and people monster hunter rise i forgot about that game entirely that's actually probably my game of the year honestly um not Pokemon Snap, probably not. Mass Effect Legendary Edition, it's a remake or remaster, so I don't know how that would work. Psychonauts 2 is on there. Um, yeah, so to that end, I, of the two, I think I'll most likely actually get done by the time and see. I'd say I've heard great things about It Takes Two, and I'm so glad to see a game of that caliber listed here because it's interesting. Yeah. Um, and I've heard genuinely multiple times great things about it. So I will probably play that. I think Chris and I were talking about knocking that out. That might be one of the ones I actually get done in time for this, um, for our end of year. You know yeah. what I mean? Because um, our end of year will be, the our, for those that don't know, our game of the year is the last episode of every year. Yeah. So between that and, and, and Psychonauts, and I'm going to try, I don't know, man, Metroid Dread just... I think Metroid Dread and Psychonauts too. It's going to be the two. I don't. I don't love Metroid Dread's control yet, but it's something that I think it may just be. I'm not too familiar with it yet. Every time I go to play it, there's little button things. I'm like, "Ah, I think that that's an odd choice here, but I understand what they're trying to do. So I think it may take some time for me to get better at. Um, So yeah, I don't know. I think really looking at it, the thing I've heard a lot of talk about and probably most consistently is is it takes two. Oddly enough, so that might be it. I Um, I have a feeling that's just. It's, I'm going to say kind of the same thing I did with Celeste. Even though I played Celeste, I can personally say it's a good game. But it's it's just a, an, an, a big enough indie success that it could pull it out. Yeah. Which is which is very much what like Undertale and Celeste and Hades and stuff like that were. Now, we'll say this. Looking at games that I remember the, the buzz around each one of them, Resident Evil Village had high buzz before, like before it released. And then when it released, it got a lot of, it is good. But some people were saying it was great, and some people were just saying it was good. I felt like the reception across the board wasn't so glowing. Now, Psychonauts 2, I don't know if it's just because of the size of the game. I heard a real quick explosion of people loving it, and then it kind of went away. 
That's how everyone. Whether this is, comes though. down to PlayStation having more marketing push behind this and working with Bethesda to do it, I feel like of all of these bigger games, excluding it takes two at this particular point, Deathloop of all the games listed is the one that had the longest piece of people really talking about it. Partially because it got to be one of the only next gen exclusives, you know, uh, in that sense, um, but also that it was constantly everyone being like nine out of 10. And I think what might've happened is and in 10 out of 10. So from a, from a handful of people as well, I think it might've been that no one expected that from death loop. And so it kind of allowed the conversation to stay bigger around it for a longer period of time. Yeah. So I think that of them all death loop got the most sticking time to where people were really talking about it for long periods of time. Whereas ratchet and clank got a lot of love really quick. And then it was like a flash in the pan. Great game. And I loved it, but I don't know. It's a really hard year to try and figure out. So we'll extend that question to y'all part of the community's take. But now we'll get to the reveals. Uh, what do you think is going to be revealed here? I have two that I'm pretty confident will be. What you thinking? Uh, the Final Fantasy VII Remake Two trailer. I feel good about that. I actually, I personally think we're going to see Final Fantasy Sixteen before that, though. I, that's my second one. That was Final Fantasy Sixteen. Release date trailer. I don't think we're going to see both. That's the thing that's kind of been going in my head is if we see I one, think we'll I see think both. the uh, the other one immediately goes out. I think we'll see both. I, I Dude, that'll be a ballsy move. It will be because they'll be one year apart, and that's why we'll see both. Or or Final Fantasy Seven Two will launch in like March of twenty twenty three, and then sixteen will launch in like November of twenty twenty three. I think sixteen comes before part two. I think it released. Yeah, I mean that's interchangeable. You can switch those two around. But, but like, I'll just use that as an example of like they're going to launch at the beginning and end of the year. of a year. Yeah. Well, I would say pull that back some because I would say let's give it a September 2022 and a March 2023. But with September, September 2023, being 16. Being, that's ballsy. That's very ballsy. Okay. Um, I feel good about that. I, that was actually one of my ones. I feel like that gets shown with a release date. So I'm pretty confident in those two being shown. Um, Maybe not a release date. I'm going to back off on that because I think Square's learned enough lessons to not throw release dates on things, even if it's eight months out. You know what I mean? Nine months out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but I feel good about that one. So I'm going to go that one. You, you, which one do you think of the two is more likely? Do you think you really going to stick with both of them? I really think both of them. Okay. Would. Yeah. Right. Um, anything else? Okay, this has been going around forever, and I don't really believe it. I really don't truly believe it, but I want to hope. So this is a little bit of a hope and a prediction. Whether or not there can be another Sly Cooper. <laughs> That's really weird, but there's been so much scuttle around the idea there's a leak going around that that's part of it, but I don't believe that leak because they also ah. said that there's going to be a new Mario Kart like revealed. That's a really weird left field kind of thing for the Game Awards to do. That's a Nintendo Direct kind of reveal. Maybe, maybe. I think Sly Cooper has a potential to be one of those things where it's been quiet for so long and it does have a pretty ravenous fan base that if you do it just right, you can actually get a lot of... You can get the kind of... Uh, a good example is you can get like the kind of Shinmu 3 reaction out of it, but I think it yeah, would actually well, be bigger than Shinmu They, they could have easily looked at the uh, responses that Ratchet and Clank had and be like, we can base our... like Those are two kind of similar games in my eyes. Those have always been mirrored. Actually, there's been three games... How to modernize it, like three, look at what they did and then translate that into the design language. Well, just in terms of like... just the design of the games to me are so similar. Like Ratchet and Clank, Sly Cooper and Jack and Daxter are three PlayStation titles that I can look at and say, those three could be in the same universe. Ratchet and Clank is the far- furthest I, I, one reaching from that, but I could see that they could all be in the same universe. I actually think Sly is the furthest reaching because it's just entirely different from the way that they even 
poise the games out. It's the character designs and stuff, though. Uh, even the gameplay. I think and the gameplay between Ratchet and, and Jack are far more similar. Definitely Jack has later stealth Jacks. sections in it. Actually, Daxter had some stealth sections in it. Daxter is far more a stealth game than it is an action It game. is. <laughs> yeah. um, but stealth platformer, yeah. Yeah, like I... I would be it'd be excited for Sly. I've never played Sly Cooper though, so I've never really cared to. Well, Ratchet and Clank never quite got the the low sales that uh, the last Sly did. Sly, the last Sly game did not review badly. Uh, no. It didn't sell strongly. I think that there is a way that they can look at from how Ratchet and Clank has continued, to, and definitely right off of the back of Ratchet and Clank, also a very crazy story. Uh, but this, yeah, the. Off the back of Ratchet showing that that kind of game can do really well with these kind of character with these with uh, the modern um, market, I think there's a way to really look at what Ratchet's done and then look at how you marketed it, look at some of the ways that you modernized it, and then put in the hands of a studio that I think the smart way to do this is put in a studio that's known for something. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then do this thing where it's like. You get it's a video Saul's watching. You get this thing of people are excited because of the studio behind it. Whereas, as much as I liked Sanzaru's game personally, no one knows who Sanzaru is. No. Like, can you, do you know anything they've done outside of this? No. Exactly. I don't. I do, but that's because I like Sanzaru. Uh, a good example, like Insomniac's big. So, Insomniac doing Ratchet gives it a big ability to kind of be like, okay, People are going to be excited because it's Insomniac, but it's also ends up being a great game. So Sly's my wish slash kind of hope, because I think if there's ever a time for them to do it, and I'm going to extend that to Jack and Daxter. If there was ever going to be another Jack and Daxter, I think PS5 Gen, as close to Ratchet and Clank, do a reveal as possible, it's, it's you can do it. You can pull it off. So we'll see. Um, do you have anything else on yours? No, that's kind of like what I'm predicting. Um, I I typically, like like around like, this time of year with Game Awards, I think they can have some really hard hitting reveals. And uh, I think I, we're going to see Ghostwire Tokyo. I, I do too, but I don't. That's to be that's, fair. That's an inevitability. Yeah, that's not a reveal uh, that would get me excited either, like Final Fantasy sixteen or seven two would. It might seven two sounds so weird. It, it might get me excited. It's kind of like Death Loop, right? You know, I went from being like, huh, the very first reveal was cool, but then it started kind of being like, I don't know how I feel about it. And then the last trailers, I was just like, this is amazing. I'm hoping that uh Ghostwire can kind of pull that off for me. Um do you really think we end up seeing the Chrono Cross anything here? We might, yeah, but I'm also I've never played Chrono Cross. I was always a Chrono Trigger person too. So I think there's things you'd like about it. I'm sure. I'd be excited as to a see remake. It. As a remaster I don't think so much. I, I think that the game's pretty dated. And yeah. since you don't have any kind of previous love for it, I think it'd be a little harder to get into. Yeah, now Legend of Dragoon, though. I, I was actually about to throw that out if, if while Legend we're Review, talking about it. Yeah, even though I think a lot of people don't remember that game as well as they think they do. And that game is... I never beat that game. So I I'll never did right either. Now, but it, that I, game was long. It was. Well. But uh, three, four disc, I think, was that game. Because seven was three disc, right? Seven, I get yeah, seven was three disc, but so I don't I think remember... Legend of Dragoon being four. I might be wrong, but I think I remember it being four or three, just like uh, four disc RPG epic. Four yeah. D, yeah, four disc. Because I remember having I get those two confused with seven and four or version. So yeah, so we'll pass the buck to you guys for the community's take for episode uh, two thirty nine. Well, two forty. I have a question for you. Specifically, oh, go ahead. Saul. What's the over under on a Bloodborne remake? Anyways, remake? I hate I hate over under questions. The Bloodborne Five. remake. Yeah. The, Blood- okay, the remake. Well, sorry, I actually meant remaster there. Um, or remaster, either way, uh, fifty. 
You think there's a fifty percent chance? I, I totally think remake. I, I totally. I think this is where Chris it misunderstands me. I totally think a, a Bloodborne remake or remaster is one hundred percent. I'm not saying you. I'm saying thing. how likely do you think it's here? Oh yeah, like fifty percent chance. I think that it's that's the place to do it. Um, now, what I don't think would ever happen is a Bloodborne two sequel made by uh, what call it Blue Point. Yeah, that's that's not going to happen. They've never made a game. They've never made a game like that. They've only they've only redone games from 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 having skeletons. They're, they're not going to start a brand new game. They had to do quite a bit of map design though for Demon Souls. So for what? It's already there. They changed quite a bit of stuff and scaled things around. So it's a what? good example of getting up. A good example of that too is uh, some of the things that they changed with Shadow of the Colossus. But from the ground up? No, not from the ground up. No. I'll give you credit where that's at. I still think but this that's... also comes from the team who they the the people who are the heads of that place were involved very heavily in Metroid Prime, so they have experience in ground up game design. For a first-person GameCube game, not for a third-person. Anyways, hey. we should have put a time limit on that. Um, that, that bet. on that bet <laughs> yeah so for the community's take this week we're gonna ask you guys what do y'all expect from the game awards and what do you want to see at the game awards two questions what do you expect and what do you want to see and uh, of course um <laughs> since this will be asked on friday give us your general thoughts on how the game awards went and uh yeah tell us how tell us how you think it went and you could find us of course um to answer that question, you can join our Discord, which is linked below. Hold on, can, real quick, because uh, I know that not everybody goes through this. I, 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 this is out of my own pocket. I will give a $10 PSN gift card to whoever is closest to the number of awards that are given off screen. <laughs> That's okay. I want, I'll, I'll post this somewhere else, too, so we can have people say that, that how many our, they think they are. Yeah, come, come and join us. Uh, Come join our make that a Discord exclusive thing. <laughs> That'll be Discord exclusive. Yeah, in the Discord while it's going, we'll kind of keep up. But I want to have a list before the show starts of how many awards you think will be given off screen. Yep. And, and how uh, many of these awards actually get screen time versus how many of them are just because that's a dude, there's a lot of rewards. Done, like, even done for during three hour commercial show. breaks and stuff like that. Um, but you can find our Discord link in the description below. You can follow us on Twitter at Triangle SQRD. We have a Facebook group. You can ask to join that as well. And, of course, you can find us across almost all podcast services and YouTube. Um, it's your pleasure. And if you don't, let us know. We'll see if we can't get on another podcast service uh, that you use. But as always, we'd like to thank you guys for joining in. And, of course, we'd like to thank our patrons. They're an important core to this as a project and as a fun experience to do with some friends. They help fund stuff for the show. This stuff never goes directly into our pockets. It's always for show cost. Um and yeah, at the end of every episode, you get your name read and just for a dollar a month, you get to help support us. And this show has been going on for quite a long time. And we have been very grateful for how many times that's gotten us out of pocket for something that we've needed, whether very it much. be uh, a new mic, a, a camera, whatever it is. It's helped us out a lot. So we'll lead off the episode with Brett. Thank you for that. Until next time, we'll see you all back with Chris next week. Thank you all. All right, guys. Thanks to Ham and Egger, Bailey Robertson, Rob Warpoint, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Richard Schaefer, Rude Days 93, Joshua Lago, Kevin Bacon Bits, Luke Rabbit, Danny Villalobos, Solitary Red, Jehudi MD, Sean, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, Stephen Salazar, Shadowist, and my name is Dan. Thank you all.